Welcome to the One Foot Down Podcast, episode 11. This is Eric Murtaugh. I am doing this solo today following the loss to the Oklahoma Sooners. Uh, not a good day for Notre Dame overall. Uh, Tommy Reese probably has his worst game of his career. Uh, I will talk to him, talk about him in a little bit here. Um, the Irish fall down 14-0 early. They kind of grab the momentum a little bit towards the end of the first quarter, hanging into the second quarter. Uh, unfortunately, Oklahoma grabbed some of that momentum back before halftime and led it 21-7 going into the break. Uh, the third quarter, I thought Notre Dame played pretty well. Uh, defense was starting to do some nice things. Um, I thought the defense had some nice stops on fourth down. I thought that was pretty key to trying to come back and win this game, but alas, it didn't happen. The Irish lose 35-21. It's now their second loss in the season. They dropped a 3-2. and two. Um, Just running over some stats here. Oklahoma had 25 first downs. Notre Dame only had 12. Um, Oklahoma did rush for 212 yards. Um, Notre Dame had a good day on the ground as well, 220 yards and only 29 carries. Um, Oklahoma significantly had more yards of offense, 450 to only 324 for Notre Dame. And uh, obviously the turnovers for Notre Dame, um, three and all, all interceptions by Tommy Reese, uh, really. I wouldn't say it was a difference in the game. I thought Oklahoma played pretty, pretty well overall. I don't know. I mean, I think it would have been a really close game, but the, the way Oklahoma was playing on both sides of the ball, I thought, you know, they really had an answer at most times for what Notre Dame was throwing at them. Um, they had good balance on offense. Blake Bell played really well, I thought, for his first road start. Um, he went 22 for 30, two touchdown passes, 232 yards. That's really good for a quarterback who really hasn't thrown the ball a whole lot. You know, a lot of safe throws, I think, again, that shows that the defense that Notre Dame has right now really isn't that great and can't stop a lot of that stuff into the flats and over the middle. Um, the touchdown uh, late in the early in the fourth quarter, I believe, uh, on my review, I thought that was a big turning point. Um, Sterling Shepard's touchdown where he catched a crossing route and just totally blew by Grace, and then he blew by Farley, and then he blew by, well, he didn't necessarily blow by Collinsworth, but Collinsworth couldn't come over and catch him. You know, I thought that was kind of a, a sticking point for the defense right there. The, the speed just isn't there to be able to defend that play. And, um, you know, it kind of makes me wonder if Notre Dame did play in the Big 12, what the defense would like would look like on a on a week by week basis. I think we'd be quite humbled. Um, and I'll, I'll talk about the defense in a little bit. But obviously, the the story from this game was Tommy Reese um, playing probably his worst game of his career. He only completes nine passes. On 24 attempts, just brutal, brutal production. He throws us three picks. He only has 104 yards passing. Um, and 30 of that came on the touchdown to Troy Nicholas. Um, so take away that pass. He only had 70-some yards of passing on eight completions. Just really, really bad game from Reese. I thought we saw pretty much every negative that Reese has was kind of exploited in this game. Um, I thought Oklahoma did a pretty good job of pressuring Reese. Um, I wouldn't really blame the offensive line a whole lot in this game. I thought Oklahoma was throwing a lot of different looks at the Irish. And um, even on the one sack, I thought Reese held onto the ball a little bit too long, and he just he can't escape from pressure. I thought it was actually kind of comical to watch him try to move 
and then get tripped up and then almost keep his feet and then stumble backwards. It was just, I mean, you kind of have to expect that at this point with, with Tommy Reese. Um, as far as the game plan was concerned, I wasn't really that bothered by what we saw. I know people are going to cling to what we saw in the first couple of series, but, I mean, I'm not really going to criticize Brian Kelly too much for throwing the ball a few times early in the game. I mean, you break it down. Um, Time Reese throws a pass on the first play of the game, and I think you know automatically a certain segment of the fan base is just going to be flipping out about that. Um, you know, it was the same pass we kind of saw against Michigan State, one of those back shoulder fades down the down the sideline that falls incomplete. Then they go to the run on second down. Atkinson doesn't really get too much, and then obviously on third down, what are you going to do? You're going to throw the ball, right? I mean, that's pretty obvious. Just unfortunate that it was an interception. Comes back for pick six. Um, you know, the next the next series, they get the ball again. Reese throws another interception on first down. So, I mean, am I going to really kill Kelly for having Reese throw the ball on first down? Yeah, maybe a little bit, but uh, it's not going to really be that huge of a deal. What, are we not going to throw the ball on first down anymore? Is that how we want to run the offense? I mean, look, you take away um, the, those first three passes in the first two series, Reese only throws the ball. 14 more times until the end of the game when they chuck the ball in the last eight minutes. So, I mean, yes, I think you can criticize a little bit there, but it's not like, um, I don't know, You could. are we going to really run a game plan where we're going to throw the ball six times a game? I mean, you need your quarterback to throw the ball, especially on first down. So, um, you know, I'll act, I do think they should run the ball a little bit more on first down, but, you know, the big thing here is Reese can't throw interceptions. I mean, that falls at his feet a lot more than I think it falls on Brian Kelly's feet. So, um, at his press conference on Sunday, he did mention that Tom Reese is still the starter and that he does say that Hendricks will still be sprinkled in. I don't know if that's his exact words at all, but um, I wrote this in the review. I, I don't really think the Hendricks pack, package does a whole lot. Um, I think, you know, it was kind of silly to wait till the fifth game to break this out, and um, you know, I don't really think we're going to see a whole lot of Hendricks the rest of the season. Um, I don't, you know, if he didn't play that much in the first four games and come in and, you know, non-blowout situations, I don't see why they're going to continue to roll with it. And I don't really think that package is that effective anyway with Hendricks. Uh, he's not a proven passer, so teams are going to load up on the run. And I don't think he really is a good enough runner to really open up the run game for the running backs anyway. I don't think he has good vision. I think he makes constantly makes poor decisions on the, the zone read. And he's just, you know, he's not a he's not a great runner. He's he's a good open field runner. He's got a nice good stride. He can run pretty quickly. I don't think he has good vision and you pair that with his decision making ability. I don't think he's ever gonna be, you know, any great shakes out there, so you know, my, my thing is, you know, I don't like the two-quarterback system. I never have. If you want to put Hendricks out there to get him some experience and run the offense like Reese would, I'm okay with that. If you want to basically have Hendricks come in and try to prove that he should be the starter, I'm okay with that. Um, but if at any point Hendricks proves that he can't do some of the things that Reese can do, and, you know, that's not asking a lot. If Hendricks can't do that, then... Um, you know, I think he has to take a seat on the bench. I don't. There's only so much you're going to get out of a two-quarterback system, and I've always felt that way. 
Moving on to the running backs, I thought, you know, a great game from everyone. Um, I thought Carlisle McDaniel had a couple nice runs. They obviously didn't have a lot of carries. They only totaled six carries together. Um, obviously, the big the big players on Saturday were George Atkinson and Terrian Folston. Uh, Folston had a long 36-yard run earlier in the game that set up, I think that set up the first touchdown. I'm not sh- totally sure on that. Um, I actually thought his other run was a much better run, really, when you think about it. He he breaks a tackle, he runs over another guy, gets about seven yards um, to set up a nice third and short. And actually, um, I thought the next play after that was uh, a complete missed opportunity for the Irish. Um, and you'll see this in my review. Um, the Irish had kind of weathered the storm a little bit there in the, the beginning of the game. They're down 14 nothing. They get Oklahoma to punt. Um, they go down. Notre Dame scores a touchdown. It's 14-7. They get Oklahoma to punt again. They start driving down the field. Things are looking good. Hendricks coming in. Um, you know he's not messing things up, which is always good. Uh, they get down to the Oklahoma 38-yard line. Um, I think Atkinson had a run on first down that didn't do much, and then Folson had that nice run for seven yards. I think. Sets up a third and two, and then boom, uh, Hendricks loses eight yards. Um, it looked like he didn't really have a good read. It looked like the defensive end might have crashed on the running back, but I don't know if that was just a great play by the, the Sooner defender there, but Hendricks keeps the ball, and he gets kind of corralled and thrown back for three more yards. Basically takes the Irish out of field goal range, basically took him right out of a possible um, – fourth down opportunity that could have been pretty manageable. You know, you think you put some points on the board there, maybe even keep that drive going, tie the game. I think that would have been really huge. I thought that was a pretty big missed opportunity. Notre Dame never did end up tying the game at all, only getting it to six points. So, um, yeah, that was a big missed opportunity, I thought. Um, George Atkinson, you know, I, I think you can definitely call me one of the, one of the larger Atkinson doubters, and he's really – Played well, I thought, the last two games, and this game especially. Wow, I mean, probably the best football he's ever played. Um, I don't think we're ever going to see him be incredibly well-rounded. His hands aren't good enough to really do everything that the coaches want him to do in this in this offense. But um, the thing I I think I'm noticing with him is he just seems to be running angry, like so determined when he's running now, and I think that's just the way he's going to have to run. Um, he's never going to be the smoothest running back. Obviously, his cutting ability isn't that great. Um, you know, his change of direction, starting and stopping, stuff like that. I think he's never going to be a top-flight running back. But you know, if he runs pissed off, if he runs angry, he's naturally going to break tackles. He's going to run through arm tackles, and I thought we saw a lot of that on Saturday against Oklahoma. Uh, the 80-yard run, you know, we know he can do that. A nice big hole for him to run through and turn on the Jets. Um, but I think as long as he runs angry, uh, he's going to be a pretty good running back. So, um, you know, power ranking the running backs now, it seems to be changing every week. I think it's probably time to seriously think about getting Fulston some more, some more carries. Um, there's some news coming out. Um, earlier today on a Sunday, I'm taping this on a Sunday, that it's looking like Greg Bryant might have some sort of a knee injury. Uh, He didn't play against Oklahoma. 
Um, there's some sources out there claiming that his father said um, they're probably going to seek a medical redshirt. So that means we have four running backs now. Um, I think Folson has shown enough where he should be at least getting some carries in the first half of games like he did um, against Oklahoma. Not really that uh, that angry that he didn't get the ball in the second half with the way Atkinson was playing. So I'm not going to dwell on that too much. But if you're looking at the running backs now, I think Atkinson has proved enough to be the starter. Um, and then I think Carlisle and Folston are going to fight it for the backup spot there. Um, a little bit disappointed so far with Carlisle this year. And uh, I don't think I really worded it that great in my recap of the game, but I thought maybe um, one of the reasons why I thought we could be okay with Reese was the possibility that Carlisle would be this dynamic athlete, um, being really versatile, a great runner, a great pass catcher, a player who can make um, you know make make plays in the middle of the field, um, be able to juke guys and get those extra yards, and we're just not seeing that from Carlisle right now. Um, you know he's pretty much. I think an average running back right now, his stats aren't really anything more than average. Um, he's not really catching the ball a whole lot. I think he has seven catches on the on the season for like 30 yards or whatever. Um, so I think I would seriously think about Folston coming in and at least um, taking over some of the snaps that McDaniel's been getting. Um, I think Folson's kind of a similar runner, but with more to offer there in terms of potential and, and open field speed and breaking tackles. Um, looking at the receiving unit, uh, it's been a pretty quiet couple of weeks for DeVaris Daniels. He only had one catch for 13 yards. Um, TJ Jones had a decent day, four catches, 42 yards, and touchdown. Nicholas had a couple of catches for 43 yards and another touchdown. Uh, Will Fuller did catch a ball for 11 yards, so um, that's pretty good to see. Other than that, you know, such a bad day from Reese. Um, you know, the receivers aren't going to do a whole lot. Um, I think it's pretty cool to see Fuller and Robinson getting a lot of playing time this year. I was totally, totally wrong with those guys. I thought they'd be um, someone who would take players who would take a while to develop, and uh, I think that's a good sign, especially for the offense next year with Golson coming back. Um, obviously going to lose T.J. Jones, but I think there's going to be a really good core of receivers there. Um, I thought the offensive line played pretty well. Um, very heartening to see the way they run blocked. I know some people are going to probably say Oklahoma has a bad run defense. Uh, they're, obviously they're small. Uh, they play a 3-3-5 and all that. But, uh, you know, some, especially in some of the outside zone runs, it, you're just kind of waiting for one of the Oklahoma defenders to shoot through a gap and tackle the Irish running backs. And Notre Dame really did a solid job on, I'd say, probably 90, 95% of those runs and opened up a lot of big holes for the running backs to run through. Um, pass blocking, I thought, was probably the weakest we've seen all year. But still not too bad. I think, you know, Reese was pressured a couple times. I thought the sack was more on Reese than on the line. Uh, that first interception I was obviously on the line. <clears throat> Excuse me. But overall, I think, you know, the way the offensive line played, you can win. You can win with that effort. And I think, you know, better quarterback play, you could probably win this game. Um, I wouldn't go so far as to say that without the turnovers that Notre Dame definitely wins this game. I, I don't think I would really go that far. I thought Oklahoma played really well on both sides of the ball. 
uh, you know, take away those turnovers and let's say Notre Dame punts the ball, I'm not really convinced that Oklahoma wouldn't have driven down the field and put points on the board. So, um, you know, obviously Notre Dame loses 14 points right off the bat and end up losing by 14 points. So you want to say, you know, Notre Dame was in the game without the turnovers. But uh, you know, I was pretty impressed with the way Oklahoma played. I'll be interested to see the way the rest of their season plays out. I think they should be a 10-2 team at minimum this year. Uh, you have to think they're going to take care of business against Texas. Um, you know, I don't really think they're going to stumble against a team like TCU or Texas Tech, but, but you know, maybe a, a team like Baylor is going to offer them some some problems with the, the Bear offense and their, their greedy fundamentals. Uh, but, um, you know, Oklahoma State loses over the weekend to West Virginia, so, you know, right now you're probably looking at the way Oklahoma's playing. They're probably the Big 12 favorite. Um, and I think o overall, you know, I thought this would be a 10-point loss for Notre Dame. They end up losing by 14 with a an awful game from Reese. You know, I'm just not really that upset with how the game played out. Um, just looking at the defense, I think overall, I think there's a lot of issues there that need to be worked out. Um, I think it's pretty clear they're not anywhere near the way they played last year. And looking back, it seems kind of silly the way we talked about them in the preseason with them possibly being better than last year. Um, it seems kind of sadly funny at this point. Um, you know, the defensive line, I thought, has played well against Oklahoma, but we were banking on them being dominant, being elite unit. Um, Sheldon Day didn't play again. He tweaked his ankle in warm-ups, and that was a coach's decision. They sat him down for um, the second straight week, and they just can't afford to lose a player like him. Uh, Schwenke, I think, is doing all right. But, you know, he's not a difference maker out there. and You know, I, I don't want to knock the kid too hard, but if this is an elite def defensive line for Notre Dame, Schwenke, was, he's probably a, a backup at, at, at the most. So, you know, um, I, I, I'm pretty surprised with the way Tua's been playing. Um, gosh, we thought he was going to break the sacks record this year, single season and career sack leader, and he has a ton of work to do. I don't think he's going to get anywhere near that now. I think he has one sack through five games. Um, so we'll see what he can do the rest of the season. There was one play on, I believe it was Bell's first touchdown pass where he kind of scrambled around a little bit, bought some time, and then threw the ball into the end zone. I just don't know what Tua was doing on that play. He he must have been tired, and I know that the depth isn't there, but he, the ball snapped. He just stands up, puts his hands up, doesn't even really engage the d defensive end, kind of pushes off. You know, at this point, there's three seconds gone in the play. Um, Bell kind of scrambles right towards him, uh, and Tua really can't do anything. He's, he's looks incredibly tired and not worth much out there, and Bell ends up kind of like running away from him, and Tua can't catch him. He throws the ball downfield, touchdown. So, you know, Tua's supposed to be an All-American, and he has to make plays there, and he's basically doing nothing on that play, and I wouldn't say it cost Notre Dame the touchdown, but it would be nice to, to for him to be able to get pressure on on Bell and force a bad throw or force an incompletion um, and get a sack. I mean, that's what he's there to do. Um, 
I think Knicks, there's not a whole lot to complain about with Knicks. Um, probably one of the two or three defenders who have pl- brought their A game or close to it almost every single game. Um, I still think he's going to be a first-round draft pick. Um, I don't think he's played his way out of that at all, whereas I think, you know, there's a lot of question marks with Tuit now. Probably got to think he might be questioning whether he's going to be leaving not leaving early or not, so we'll see what goes on there. Uh, middle linebacker, I thought Carlo Calabrese played really well. Um, I had him as the unheralded star of the game. He led the team in tackles with 10. Made a, a few really good run stops, a couple really big hits. Um, and overall, I thought you know he played pretty well, giving his capabilities and all that. Um, it's been kind of surprising to not see Dan Fox a whole lot out there. I'd, I'd like to see what the snap counts are. It doesn't seem like he's playing very much anymore. Uh, Jarek Grace, um, he has his moments, but I don't really think, you know, I, I think he does some things nicely, but the one thing I keep noticing with him over and over and over again is his inability to stop, make a cut, and go in the other direction, especially in pass defense, and that was highlighted on the Shepard uh, 50-something-yard touchdown. I mean, you can see he knows it's coming, and he's a split second late on his read to come across and try to break up the pass, and then when you see him make that cut and then try to run him down, it's just, I don't I don't know how you're supposed to win against, you know, all these teams that are running spread offenses with 190-pound quick and fast slot receivers. I don't know how you're supposed to win football games when you have a 255-pound linebacker on him like that. And then, obviously, Shepard takes it to the house. So, you know, I think moving forward, um, the secondary, um, I thought they did all right. If you probably broke down a lot of the passes that Bell completed, um, the vast majority of them are real short passes. Again, a lot of them in the flats to the running backs, a lot of screen passes, and I don't really think that is on the cornerbacks a whole lot. Um, you know, I'm looking at the stats now. They completed four passes to Damian Williams, running back, two more passes to Trey Millard, fullback, um, two passes to Brennan Clay, uh, and another pass to Roy Finch. So, I mean, that's almost half of the completions for Bell on the day. So I think that obviously the situation at safety hasn't worked itself out. Um, And I I tend to think that there might be an injury concern with Bennett Jackson. He hasn't looked himself all year. Um, I totally thought we'd get a lot better play out of him this year. It seems like Russell's been stepping his game up the past few few games. Playing solid, I think he's doing some nice things. Um, I don't, I just don't, I don't really think having Collinsworth and Farley at safety, um, even though they're not starting together, I just don't think that's a winning combination. Uh, Shoemate still struggling out there, but we know he has the athleticism and the potential. So you know, one of the big things I'm taking away from this game and from the season so far this year is the fact that you're not going to win big games with poor quarterback play. Um, we knew this going into the season. Tommy Reese, bad Tommy, was going to probably rear its head, rear its ugly head once or twice. Um, you know, he plays his worst game of the, of his, probably his worst game of his career. You could probably make the case his game against USC from 2010 was worse. Um, but, you know, he's a freshman. He's a senior now. 
he was a freshman back then. He's a senior now, and um, you know, overall, I think even though Oklahoma racked up some yardages, I think you know, if you go in with a mindset that this really isn't an elite defense, I thought Notre Dame's defense played pretty well. Um, I think they did some things to be able to get Notre Dame back into the game, um, and then at certain points with like with the Shepard touchdown, for example, you know. It's just a breakdown that you can't have. And, uh, you know, I don't think that's really a whole lot on the coaching staff. I think, you know, one of the big things I'm taking away right now is they need to recruit better. Um, need to get quicker players out there. I don't think you can really survive against a lot of these offenses offenses now, nowadays with, you know, these huge linebackers. Um, I made a comment um somewhere on the internet, don't know where I was, uh, that it's almost like Brian Kelly and Bob Diaco are, have been building this defense for four years to stop Bo Schemblecker's offense from 1974. I just don't understand why, um, especially with the linebackers, they need to be so big and slow. And, um, you know, I think if I were to write an article today focusing on what Notre Dame needs to do in recruiting, um, probably the top three things I would look at are, number one, continue to recruit hard in the D-line. Um, you know, the 2014 class, I think, is a solid class. Um, Going to get a lot of bodies in there. Hopefully they close with a couple good to great recruits there. I think that will really help um, the future. I don't think it's really going to help next year a whole lot. But um, overall, I think we should all be pretty happy with the way Notre Dame's recruiting on the defensive line. And, you know... If you want to recruit size there, that's what you should do. But, you know, if you recruit large defensive linemen in a 3-4, you don't necessarily need huge linebackers. And I can't remember where I heard this the other day. I think it might have been in an NFL game, actually. Um, and one of the announcers said, you know, if you have a giant defensive line, you can get away with quicker, smaller linebackers. And I think the game nowadays dictates that. I don't really see why you need to have 255-pound middle linebackers um, to stop the run. I mean, I put a value on speed. I think speed's always the most important part of the game in football. If you're worried about, you know, your middle middle linebacker taking on a pulling guard in those situations, I think you can beat that pulling lineman with speed, beat him to the hole, um, make, make your reads better, get to the hole before the lineman, make the tackle before he can block you. Um, work on your block destruction. Is it really that much of a difference in terms of getting off a block when you're 255 pounds versus 230 pounds? Maybe a little bit, but I think being able to run quicker and get in that lineman's face is a lot um, better in terms of playing defense against a lot of the offenses we see this year. Um, you know, we like to say, oh, we're built to stop the Stanford offense, but... Um, I hate to say it, but I think we're going to see a lot of the same problems against Stanford that we see against spread teams like Oklahoma. They're going to throw balls into the flat. They're going to pick on the middle of the field, and they're going to have a lot of success doing it. So, um, you know, overall, not really upset about this game. Uh, uh, I thought, you know, there were a couple of things here and there. I didn't like the kneel down um, at the end of the first half. I can't remember. I thought there was at least two timeouts left, if not all three, probably two. 
Um, we're always good to burn a timeout at some point in the first half, but um, at least run the ball with Atkinson, see if he breaks off a 20-yarder or whatever. Um, I could see Brian Kelly wasn't too happy with that decision, so that looked like that was a Chuck Martin decision. Overall, you know, I'm not really going to blame the coaching staff too much. I thought, you know, people want to go all crazy about Reese throwing the interceptions early and quote-unquote calling that putting the game on Reese's shoulders. I don't know. Go ahead and do that. I'm not going to do that. Um, it's like being pissed off that Reese threw the ball three times in the beginning of the game. I just don't really see the point in that. Um, just can't turn the ball over. That's what I take away from that. Um, end of the game, eight minutes left. The Irish finished with seven straight passes. Um, well, it was a little bit under. There, there was three series at the end of the game. I went pass, I believe it was completion, and then Atkinson, I think lost yardage, and then incompletion. So after that Atkinson run, it was seven straight incompletions to end the game. You know, that first, that third to last series, I thought maybe try to run the ball on third down and set yourself up for an easier fourth down conversion. And I really felt that way with a second-to-last series. So, you know, guess what? Coaching staffs aren't perfect. Um, I think that's something probably Kelly has to work on. You know, he doesn't really seem... He likes to play conservative at times, but then, you know, in situations where, you know, you do have to pass the ball a lot, it doesn't mean you have to pass the ball all the time, especially the way Reese was playing there. So I thought at least one run sprinkled in there, even on third down. I mean, it's third and ten. Try to get yourself into a manageable fourth down conversion, and then, you know, we throw incompletion on third down and end up punting anyway. So I didn't really like that decision either. I thought you should probably go for it on fourth down. So, And then the, uh, the last series, you know, there's basically no time left anyway. So... Uh, so now Notre Dame is going to head to uh, Jerry World to Cowboy Stadium, a.k.a. AT&T Stadium. I don't know if anyone's calling that, calling it that right now, but that's the official new name. Um, I think Notre Dame's a pretty decent underdog right now. I think the line I saw was 5.5 and in some places and 6.5 and in other places. Arizona State coming off a brutal beatdown of USC, basically leading to the Firing of Lane Kiffin, I'm sure we'll talk about that a lot on the site over the next week or two as we have USC coming up on the schedule um, after the bye week following this game against Arizona State. I think this is a really big game for Notre Dame. Uh, I said it a couple weeks ago, I thought the game against Michigan State was really one of those tipping point games. If they lose that game, I thought there was a really big opportunity or you know a big chance that they... <laughs> lose it five or six games this year, and I thought that would be pretty disastrous. Um, they were able to pass that test. Um, couldn't beat Oklahoma. I didn't really think they would. Didn't really think there was much from what we've seen this year that we were going to win this game against Oklahoma. Um, and I think right now you might say the same thing about Arizona State, um, but I think Notre Dame is going to be able to be a little bit more successful on offense. Um, and we really need a big bounce-back game from Reese. Um, you know, I think everyone's going to be perpetually angry at him for the way he played against Oklahoma. But we're stuck with him. We know we're stuck with him. Zaire's not going to play. 
Hendricks not ever going to be the starter unless Reese gets hurt. And he has to step up. Reese has to step up in this game. And uh, the defense is really going to be tested, I think, when you're looking at the matchups. I think the defense is really going to be the focal point this week. Uh, Arizona State, in some respects, is probably a little bit more uh, explosive than Oklahoma just due to their quarterback play, I think. Um, their quarterback, Kelly, is a little bit more experienced. Um, but I don't think their offensive line is really that great. So hopefully Notre Dame can take advantage of that. And, uh, you know, definitely these next two games against Arizona State and USC, uh, I would say it's definitely you have to win one of the two. I would probably be more shocked if Notre Dame lost to USC in, ter- uh, in comparison to Arizona State. So um, I think mentally I'm prepared for this team to fall to 3-3. Three and three. I think a lot of people are going to lose their uh, their heads probably at that point, but um, I think this definitely is a, a year where we have to beat USC, firing their coach. I saw Ed Orgeron is the going to be the inter- the coach uh, for the rest of this season, uh, and it looks like Marquise Lee might not be playing. Kind of stinks that we have a bye week now. Uh, he probably wouldn't play in two weeks. I think he has a pretty severely sprained knee. We'll see how long he's out. Um, but, uh, you know, definitely have to beat USC. Um, if they beat both of these teams, I think that's going to be really big for them. Um, I still think this is an 8-4 and four team. So losing to Arizona State, beating USC, probably, hopefully, uh, winning the rest of the games until Stanford, uh, probably looking at 8-4. and four. I don't think they can beat Stanford. It would be pretty shocking right now, the way Stanford's been playing. Uh, you know, I think there were some question marks with Stanford, and they're answering a lot of those question marks this year. Um, so we'll see how it plays out. Um, we'll be back on next Sunday. Um, hopefully Notre Dame pulls out a win. Uh, if not, we will still be here with the podcast number 12 This is the podcast episode number 11. I'm Eric Murtaugh wrapping it up. I want to remind people to subscribe to us on iTunes, leave us reviews, and do all that jazz. And uh, we will see you next week. Harumph.